0: All right, well, we are in the final week of our summer series, Lessons from Lockdown. We've gone uh, all the way through the book of Philippians, um, because we are in lockdown, and we, you know, I thought we'd be out of lockdown by, like, June, but uh, I was wrong, and so I'm glad that we got to spend our lockdown with Paul, uh, who himself was in lockdown. I uh, got an email this week. Um, a, a lot of you, so many of you, especially, uh, you've just been begging to find out when uh, my next book's coming out, because um, I know that you really want to want to read it. And uh, great news, I got the galley proofs. Uh, they've moved back to the date of the book, to April of 2021, because uh, they think that by then COVID will be over and more people will buy books. Um, but yeah, it's very exciting because I'm right at the end of the book writing process. The last thing you do as an author is you write a dedication, so you get your book all the way done. And what's interesting about books is that for the most part, especially in academia, uh, the people that you love who are part of your life never read your books. So uh, my family, uh, no one reads them. A few of you have, have have braved the the waters. Rachel, if you're watching from home, God bless you. Marilyn, I think took a shot at the at the labor of God. Um, but in general, uh, it's, th- that's not who the book's for, right? The book is for pastors who are uh, writing or doing sermons on 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, uh, other uh, academics, grad students, um, and yet, and yet, there's an interesting thing. So even though the book is for this one audience over here, the dedication, the dedication goes to somebody close to you. And so I've been thinking about this because I'm excited to do a dedication. I looked on the internet and I found some cool ideas for dedications, for books. I'd like to share a few of them with you. But there has to be a slide because I don't remember. Oh, there it is. This is a dedication to mom and dad. Mom and dad, your support and the mental health issues you gave me (laughs) made all of this possible. I think that works. I mean, I definitely, you know, I'm a crazy person and that's definitely due to DNA. So that's, that's a good one. I got another one here. For everyone who only hears from me when I need something. Yeah, I can see that, you know. uh, Mostly, um, I'm an island, but then every once in a while I have a need, so then I contact you. And maybe you deserve a little bit of a shout-out. Last but not least, my favorite, to my wife, Erin. My children, Alice, Olivia, and Soren, without whom this book would have been completed two years earlier. Um, The idea behind a dedication is, yeah, you're probably not the audience for this book, but you've been a significant part of my life, right? I want to say thank you to you. I want to praise you. I want to acknowledge you. Maybe even say sorry. Uh, There's lots of different reasons why you dedicate a book to someone, but it's usually somebody close to you, and it's very often not the actual audience of the book. Now, I want you to keep that dynamic in mind because I think it helps to explain how Paul thinks about giving and receiving amongst Christians. Okay, so let's read uh, the text together. This is my translation of Philippians four, fifteen to 19. And indeed, as you Philippians know, in the early days of the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not a single church shared in the obligations of giving and receiving, but you only. Even as far as Thessalonica, you sent to me more than once when there was need. Now, I'm not trying to get gifts. Instead, I want prophets to overload your accounts. I safely received everything you can say you sent, and I'm rich. I'm full to bursting now that I got your gifts from Epaphroditus. They're a fragrant offering, a welcome sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. For a little bit of background, um, Paul was languishing in prison, and in the ancient world, when you were in prison, you weren't allowed to work, uh, even under house arrest, and so you were totally dependent for food, for shelter, for everything on other people, and the Philippian church hadn't heard from Paul for a while, and so they sent this guy named Epaphroditus to check on him. And so Epaphroditus went from Philippi to Rome. It was a pretty significant trip. And he gets there, and he finds that Paul is starving to death. He's beaten. He's exhausted. He's a total disaster. And so Epaphroditus, he actually gets really sick. Paul nurses him back to health. And then he sends him back to Philippi. And when he gets back to the home church, Epaphroditus tells everyone, and this was a pretty wealthy church. Uh, They had quite a few resources. He tells everyone how Paul's doing. That's really bad news. And so immediately they they just give, they gather everyone in the church, especially those who are wealthy. They come together and they give this huge gift, right? And they put it in Epaphroditus' pack and they say, You get your butt back to Rome and take care of our friend Paul. Now, what we're not seeing in this text, but which is very, very apparent in the ancient world, is how odd. Paul's response to this gift is. And so let's take a closer look at, at, at the text and point out a few things. The first thing, the obligations of giving and receiving. You sent to me more than once when there was need. That doesn't sound like much to us. The obligations of giving and receiving. We, we may not tune into that, but this is actually a technical term in the ancient world, for um, a, a set of, re- of relationships that took place when people gave each other money. Um, and so that word I have, obligations, is a little bit over-translated. It's logos in the Greek, which can mean everything from word. If you know the Gospel of John in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, that's that word. It can also mean um, a reckoning of accounts. It can mean principle. It was a very, very broad use of this word. But this particular phrase... Um, matters of giving and receiving, or as I call it, obligations of giving and receiving, was a technical term for finances. Similar to, if I said today, your fiduciary obligations. Okay? Um, even if you don't know, and I certainly don't know what fiduciary obligations are, as soon as you hear that, you know that we're talking about something about business, about uh, economy, all those types of things, right? It's a technical term. It's a technical phrase. Similarly, in the ancient world, um, matters of giving and receiving were a technical term, technical phrase. For what? Well, some of you might have experienced um, something that, well, here's the deal. So, birthdays and Christmas, kids love it. But as adults, um, we tend to take these opportunities as a way to use our children as pawns in a larger game of interfamilial one-upsmanship. Okay, you've done this, right? So it's your uh, so it's, it's your niece's birthday, right? And you're doing pretty well. And so you know that um, you know, your brother is only going to be able to give the niece this or this. And so what you do is to show your brother just how much better you are, is you buy something your niece that he can't afford, that you know your niece really wants. And she opens it up and she's like, Oh, oh Uncle Tom, you are the greatest relative I've ever had. And the whole time you're looking at your brother being like, What's up, dog? You see that? See what I just did? Now you owe me, brother. Right? Now you put him in your debt. Now he's like, oh gosh, I gotta figure out some way to make this right. And so he's now he's and then, then then what he does is he comes up with a plan where he's gonna do something to put me in his debt. He's gonna like I wake up one day and you know I haven't washed my car in like six years, and it's 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 sterling and he's there, he's like, Oh I just buffed out your car, no big deal. Uh, yeah, you look like a professional like ah, thank you. And so now I got to one up them again. It's, it's like a war, right? It's credit and debt. It's like, it, it, I call it the gift war. And we get involved in these gift wars because we make gifts about us and not about the people who are receiving them. Similarly, in the ancient world, there were no gifts that were gifts, or very, very few, and really only amongst family. Gifts were a way to put someone in your debt. You, so for Paul, what happened was the Philippians, they were like, hey, Paul, we'll uh, give you a place to stay, maybe give you a stipend, you'll sup at the finest of meals, and all we ask is that you share what you know with us about the gospel. You see what they just did there? They put him in a little, bit of a little bit of a bind, right? They say, hey, we've given you this thing, and because of the way the culture works, now Paul owes them something. And now they kind of own Paul a little bit. That's the first thing you are note sheets. In the ancient world, and often in ours, gifts put the receiver in debt to the giver. And you've probably at some point in your life been a part of something like this. You, someone's given you something, and you know there are strings attached. Well, when Paul uses this language of obligations of giving and receiving, he's signaling, he's pointing out specifically that type of economy of gift giving, where it's really all about credit and debt. It's all about putting people and making them dependent on you, owe you something. So, with that in mind, I want us to read this text again and think about what is missing. Okay, so what's missing? What should Paul say? But he doesn't. And indeed, as you Philippians know, in the early days of my preaching the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not a single church shared the obligations of giving and receiving, but you only. Even as far as Thessalonica, you sent money to me more than once when there was need. I'm not trying to get your gifts. Instead, I want profit to overload to your account. We talked about this earlier. This is the second time he used this phrase in uh, Philippians, where he believes that the gifts they give him are going to get them eternal rewards in heaven. It's actually, they give him something, but they get something in heaven. He goes on, he says, I safely received everything. By the way, that also is boilerplate in the ancient world for a letter if someone sent you something. This phrase is always included because the ancient world was a dangerous place. And Epaphroditus was lugging, you know, bars of gold along the way. And when he gets there, and he gives them to Paul, Paul has to make sure that there's a receipt saying that it got to me safely. And I want to make so he says, "I received it, everything safely, and I'm rich. I'm full to bursting. It's play rao. It's like he's I'm topped off. There's there's nothing more I could possibly want because you've given me so much. Now that I got your gifts from Epaphroditus, they're a fragrant offering." a welcome sacrifice, pleasing to God. And, my, and this is ironic, right? My God will meet all your needs. Do they have needs? The Philippians are loaded. They're the givers, right? And Paul's like, don't worry about your needs. God's going to take care of them uh, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What didn't Paul say? So I I find out that my niece really, really, really wants a cell phone. She's, you know, eight, seven or eight years old. She's ready for the responsibility. (laughs) And so it's her birthday. And everyone's giving her, like, underwear and socks. And I'm like, oh, here's a, what's the newest, what, iPhone X plus, niner, what is it? There's a 12 now? She opens it up. She's like, oh, an iPhone 12 from Uncle Tom. And what's the next two words out of her mouth? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Uncle Tom. If you, if you go through the entire book of Philippians, you will see that Paul mentions the gift that he gets over and over again. And he never once says, thank you. Instead, he says things like, yeah, I didn't really want this. Uh, I was fine. I mean, I, I'm actually not that bad at starving. I've gotten really good at it. I'm content no matter what. But I mean, I guess it's cool that, that you guys went ahead and made me rich. Um, it's true. He he. At no point does he look and say thanks. Now this would have been shocking if you were if you were the Philippians and you got this um, in the ancient world. A, a letter like this was usually profuse with. Oh, you're amazing. You're the best. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was lost. Now I'm found. You supplied everything. I, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We have tons of examples. We have one example from the ancient world where somebody gets a massive gift that literally saves his life and never once says thanks. Philippians. Why? Why? Why doesn't he say thanks? Did you notice uh, that bit about... um, Go back in the text, Mom, just one slide back. Um, Did you notice this right here? They're a fragrant offering, a welcome sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul has received this massive gift, but in his mind... The Philippians didn't give him anything. They gave something to God. Plop! Here's a whole bunch of money, Paul. And Paul's like, okay, cool. Thanks for giving this to God. That's the next thing in your note sheets. The reason Paul never says thank you is because the Philippians are giving to God, not him. Now, this is totally backwards from the way that they thought in the ancient world and we think now. When we give, so for example, if you give to the church, you tithe or you give gifts to the church, you're assuming what you think when you're doing it is you're like, maybe you think I owe God something so I, and this is the best way to pay God off. Or maybe you think... Um, you know, uh, the church really needs this stuff and I'm going to make sure that the church gets what the church needs. Or perhaps you uh, give gifts to people like uh, we support a lot of people in Haiti, right? And so you're writing a check to these kids in Haiti and you think what you're doing is you're giving a gift to the kids in Haiti. That's not how Paul thinks. Paul thinks instead that you're not giving to Haiti, you're not giving to the church, you're not giving to charity, you're not, you're not meeting these... And by the way, it's not just giving. It's any service whatsoever. Anything that you do, the, the time that you give, you're not giving it to coast or to a person who's in it. You're, you're making a sacrifice to God. Now that might be a little bit odd for us because when we think about sacrifice, we tend to think... That sacrifice is like, uh, it was a system in the Old Testament for, for saying sorry to God, right? Like, I sinned, and so I'm going to kill this animal, and that's going to make God happy, okay? That is a rudimentary, but it's a fundamentally anemic or not full way of thinking about sacrifice. And, and in order to, to get it, I want you to take a look at the text one more time, Where, he, where, where what Paul's mentioning, right? He's mentioning about the sacrifice. He says, it's a fragrant offering. It's a welcome sacrifice. In the ancient world, when they did sacrifice, it was like a big barbecue. And everyone would come and they would light the goat on fire, cook the meat. And the idea was that God was sitting there smelling the cooking goat and God was enjoying the barbecue with the people. But that wasn't necessarily because they'd sinned. Who's uh, who's paying $15 for the 4K version of Netflix? Just me. Okay, well, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, we don't even know anymore, right? Like, it just gets taken out of the account. Uh, at one point, um, I got a 4K TV, and I was like, oh, I can't handle only 1080p from my Netflix. And so I, I upped my uh, my subscription. But the irony is I watch almost nothing on Netflix except for... The Office, Parks and Rec, and Community. So basically, I pay $15 a month so that I can keep watching these shows that ended like in 2009 over and over and over again. And none of them are in 4K. And honestly, I feel like it's a great deal. I'm happy to pay $15 a month to have unlimited access to The Office. I pay Disney $6 a month to have unlimited access to Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4. I know Toy Story better than anyone here. I watch it four times a day. I've been watching uh, The Office again, and there's this great episode where Michael Scott, the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin, is, wants to drum up business. And he's having a really hard time getting uh, people to buy uh, products because they, they can't compete with online pricing, and he doesn't like the way business is done anymore. It's not face-to-face. It's not mano-a-mano. It's, 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 all, it's all on the internet, and he hates it. And so he comes up with a great plan. He gets these huge gift baskets, <laughs> and then he's going to go to these, these people, and he's going to give them a gift basket. And he's going to say, buy my paper. Now, of course, that's ridiculous because uh, no one likes gift baskets. Um, you get those, uh, you know those, the, it's like they're English cookies. They never go bad, but they also don't taste like anything. What are those called? They're like, shortbread, shortbread yeah. so short, If you're lucky, there's Toblerone. Um, Chocolate turtles. Right. Chocolate turtles. That's like the one thing everyone goes for the chocolate turtles. So he does. Uh, so his plan is his plan is, if I if I give this gift basket, then they'll be inclined to buy from me, right? What's he doing? He's buttering them up with a gift basket. Do you know that uh, sacrifice was used to butter up God? People would go and they would be like, God, ah. Uh, really worried about the harvest this year. And they'd be like, you're awesome, God. Pay attention to me. And they would kill a goat, eat it, whatever, birds. There's very different, different types of sacrifices. But they're like, God, I want you to be paying attention to me and help me out. And so sacrifice was a way of buttering God up for the big ask. What are some other things you can do with a gift basket? You can tell somebody, I've been thinking about you. Um, maybe some of you received uh, little cookies a couple weeks ago. That we dropped off. That was our way. Of, that's a sacrifice. That was our way of saying, hey, we miss you. We, we're thinking about you. We, we love you. Even if we can't see you all the time. That, too, was a sacrifice. I'm thinking about you. I like you. You'd go and you'd sacrifice to God. Uh, you could do uh, an I'm sorry. The I'm sorry gift basket. Oh my God, I know you love those chocolate turtles. Uh, so here, here you go. I apologize. I, it was a bad call. I made a big mistake. Please forgive me. You could even just do like a man. You're awesome, gift basket. So like, if you you know know someone really well, you'd put together a gift basket that's really tailored to their and just and they're like, "What's this for?" And you're like, "There doesn't have to be a reason. You're awesome. I love you. You're sacrifice for that too. I'm sorry. I love you. Thank you. You're amazing." I'm thinking about you. I've got a big ask and I'm hoping you'll say yes. Pay attention to me. These are all reasons why you give someone a gift basket and they're all reasons for sacrifice. So what is Paul thinking? Well, he's imagining the Philippians are giving him something in order to say something to God. God. Something they need to say, they want to say to God. And, and the way they're doing it, instead of killing an animal and eating it, is they're helping Paul out. And so maybe they're saying, I'm sorry, God. Maybe they're saying, thank you, God. Maybe they're saying, I love you, God. Maybe they're saying, you're amazing, God. Whatever it is, they're keeping the relationship with God in healthy. And that's the next thing in your note sheets. Sacrificial giving. We tend to think this word, sacrificial giving, is meaning that giving hurts. And it can mean that, and often does. But primarily, sacrificial giving is giving God gifts to keep our relationship with God healthy, to say things to God that we need to say. And again, this is why giving doesn't have to be money. It can be acts of service. It can be charity. It can be thoughts. There's lots of different ways to do something. But instead of saying, oh, the church needs this awesome AV setup. Instead, it's, hey, God, I love you. I'm going to set up this AV for the church. Church needs to move these tents. It's not the church needs to move these tents. It's, hey God, I'm super sorry. I want you to know how serious I am about it. So I'm going to help out moving the tents. Do you see how that works? And this is why giving is not unlike a dedication at the beginning of the book. The people who receive A book and read it and enjoy it. That's great. Good. Awesome. But that's not the message of the dedication. The message of the dedication is to somebody else, somebody who's close to let them know that you love them. You're sorry. You're grateful. You're thinking about them. You appreciate them. It's to say, Aaron, I love you. I appreciate what you do. It's saying, Alice, Olivia, and Soren, even though I can't stand the way you scream constantly, you make my life amazing. Right? It, it, the dedication is to them, and then the, the benefit goes to somebody else. But how often do we really think about saying something to God when we give? Well, I mean, we, we, we give a recurring giving online, right? So I, what I, I guess what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to find out, you know, the day that it's going to get debited and then like, be like, God, this one's for this. God, thanks for that. It's complicated, it's difficult because we don't think about giving in, in, in the sense of this is my message to you, God. This is my sacrifice to you, God, to let you know how I feel and what you deserve. Instead, giving for us tends to be about The people who are getting things. But there's a danger in that. If it's all about the person who's receiving it, then you initiate these systems of credit and debt. You begin to have expectations about how this person's supposed to act because you did X, Y, or Z for them. You become disappointed and disillusioned when they fail you. You become angry and bitter. You feel like you have control. But here's the thing: when you're giving to God, <laughs> you're never putting God in your debt. Like God, I hey made a big gift. You're welcome. God's like, oh, I have infinite resources. I have forgiven all sin. I have redeemed you and saved you. I'm not that impressed but I appreciate the gesture. There's a couple of takeaways here. Um, One is for receivers. If you find that you tend to be a a receiver, um, you tend to be someone who who gets things uh, from others, whether that's acts of service and charity, whether it's financial assistance, um, one question that, that receivers need to ask, and, and I'm not pointing the finger here because this is me. Uh, over the, there's been many times where uh, Aaron and I have been bailed out uh, by the church. We've received incredible gifts, and if we started tallying them up, you'd be you'd be shocked and be like, "How, how can you justify taking a salary?" Um, but as receivers, we do need to to have the gut check where we say, hey, am I here because I'm after the gift or am I here because I'm after the gospel? Um, notice that Paul, what does he say over and over? Dude, I don't want your gift. I mean, if you're going to give to me, that's great. Like, I appreciate it. But but really, I'm, I'm, I'm about you and I'm about the gospel going out. Paul doesn't come to the Philippians being like, guys, please. Paul's sitting there in jail. He, he works as hard as he can and wherever he goes, so that he doesn't need to receive gifts. Receivers, yeah, it is awesome when you get blessed. Believe me, I know. But the goal is not to get blessed. The goal is to be a blessing. And givers, imagine that you have an opportunity to make a dedication on your book to God. Every single time you give, this is your opportunity to say to God. For to God. Because you, to God, I'm sorry for, to God, I'm so I pay attention to me. I, I need your help. Every time you give a gift, you have an opportunity to make a new dedication to God. And, and the gift will benefit someone, and that's fantastic. But the person who's really receiving the gift is God, and it's your opportunity to tell God what you need God to hear. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, I pray that we'll be a generous, um, open-handed, giving people. I pray that we'll... um, Be that way because we want to tell you what we feel. We want to praise you. We want to thank you. We want to say sorry. We want to call out and and give you a message and show you that we're serious about it, not just words, but actions and finances and resources and time. Every time we make a sacrifice of, of anything that we have to you, that it'll be an opportunity for us to bless you. And may you use it to increase the reach of the gospel and our blessed hope. We praise you, God, for the gifts of Jesus whose grace is unlimited and who sets the standard for what a gift can and should be. In his name we pray, amen. Just because it's so hot, we're we're just gonna we're gonna go without a final song I, I, Doug was gracious and I cut some things but uh, we, we recognize that it's a rough one brothers and sisters um, make a gift this week of time of energy of resources and be conscious and say God this one's for you because X Go in peace.